All right, thank you uh, for being here again with us today. Uh, we are finishing up our series, Ever Wonder Why? Uh, so uh, the series is taking a look at some really tough questions, things that are hard for us to just ask ourselves, um, even harder to ask aloud, and even harder to ask in a church setting. Uh, and so week one, uh, the question was, is why did God let it happen? Week two, why didn't God answer my prayer? And then last week, uh, we took a look at why did God create hell? So this week, the question is, is why can't I stop? So right up front, I'm going to tell you, uh, this message is probably going to feel a little bit incomplete for you. There's no way in a 30-minute time period that we can fully and completely address a full theology of change. So when we ourselves are asking, why haven't I changed? For some of us, stopping a bad habit uh, stopping something that separates us from God could take months or it could take years. But what this message will do is at least show the starting point and maybe show that there's a way to cast away the shame we might have over our, over something in our lives uh, that we know that we need to stop. So I, I like to read a few books a month for personal professional growth and for my spiritual growth. And now when I say I read a few books a month, uh, keep in mind, most of that is audible books. I've got a good little travel uh, time to get from the home to work and back. Uh, this this past year, I've actually had to spend a lot of time on the road uh, dealing with some, some family issues. Um, but I think but if I think there's something worthwhile in that audiobook, I will I will buy that book and I will use it as a as a reference. And, and recently, I finished three books to help me at work. Um, each of these have been written by men who started their own businesses. They struggled. They failed. But ultimately, they were wildly successful in, in their business or businesses. So the first one is a book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. The next one is called uh, Your Next Five Moves, Moves, Master the Art of Business by Greg Dinkin and Patrick uh, da- Bet David. And the last one is uh, How to Win at the Sport of Businesses by Mark Cuban. With these three books, there's two common themes that stuck out to me, which I think apply to today's message. The first one, there is no magic checklist that leads to success. Each of these men all had different approaches and made different decisions that led them to where they are today as leaders in business. And and. In, e- in each one of these books, they even admittedly would state that um, if you're trying to follow what I did, there's a good chance you're going to fail. The second thing theme was that each one of them had very, very humble beginnings. So at some point, they had to make decisions to remove from their lives those things that didn't align with their goals, their objectives, and their values so that they could achieve success. They had to stop doing things that they couldn't directly tie back to what they wanted to achieve. Um, So it's very likely that there's many people that have the right intentions, but they have the wrong strategy. So what people, even those in this room, try to do is we try to change, but we're actually trying to change the wrong way. For example, why do I always eat the wrong food? Perhaps you have access to the wrong food and not the right food. Why do I oversleep every morning? Perhaps maybe it's because you're binge watching Netflix until 2 a.m. or or you just forget to set the alarm on on a routine occasion. 
But there might be emotional reasons as well. So we've got emotional wounds, we've got baggage, we've got unresolved issues that often lead us to coping in unhealthy ways. Or maybe we've picked some bad friends. This point has come up three times in the past week in different settings with me. The impact of the people that we associate ourselves with has a strong influence on how we act. If we choose to hang out with people with unhealthy habits or risky lifestyles, there's a very strong possibility that you're going to adopt that as well. Then there's a physical element to why we're not changing sometimes. Some of us are stronger in some areas and we're more vulnerable in other areas. We may have bad neural pathways or we might have a chemical imbalance. We might have learned behaviors or received something hereditary. So when we talk about change, it is something that is complicated and complex. There could be practical, emotional, relational, and physical reasons. But at the heart of the issue, almost every time, there's a spiritual challenge. So what happens is many people, Christian or not, they're trying to meet a spiritual need with something besides God. It's impossible to recreate something that only God can create. What remains is a void, a longing, and an emptiness. When we look for something to fill that void with something besides God, that leads us into a very destructive lifestyle. The reason that some of us can't change is because we're focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting about the power of grace. And I talked a little bit about that in the last message. In our culture, when, we, when people think of a religious person, they might think of a Christian person or a church-going person. But the, word, the root word of religion is actually something we shouldn't want to make or to have anything to do with. So what is religion? What is the poison of religion? So one definition of religion as we talk about this is our attempt to earn God's approval by following all the rules. It's our attempt to please God and to earn His love by following and obeying the laws of His commands. It's our attempt to please God without God. It's impossible for us to change by religion and not by grace. So this is out of Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. This speaks directly to how God helps us change. God, through His grace, offers salvation to all people. So without God, there's no salvation and there is no change. If you're a follower of Jesus, you likely know that you're not made right with God by your works, nor your best attempt, but you're made right with God by His grace through faith. Out of grace, God forgives our sins. We're made right with God by grace. God loves us because of His grace. We're saved by grace, and grace makes salvation available to anybody. No matter how bad you are, no matter how mean you are, doesn't matter how many bad things you've done, doesn't matter how many bad thoughts you've had, God's grace is available to you. So what is grace and why is grace important? So the Greek word translated as grace is charis, which means the unmerited goodwill and favor of God. It's something that can't be earned or worked for. It's a gift from God. You can never be good enough to earn it. 
You can't do enough works to deserve it. It's always a gift, and we're saved by that grace. So there are times when grace can be misunderstood. A Christian might think, hey, I'm saved by grace. God's forgiven me, and now it's all on me. God did his part, now I have to do my part. Now I've got to try to show that I was worth saving. Now I've got to check the boxes to prove that I don't lose this gift. Now I've got to follow the rules that I, so that, that, that I have saved. But grace saves you, and it also sustains you. It's not just the saving grace of God, but it's the sustaining grace of God. The same grace that forgives you is the grace that transforms you. Through His grace, you're able to say no to ungodliness. Grace teaches us to say no to self-focused, self-fulfilling passions. Grace teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace teaches us to say no to something that's displeasing to God. Grace is not the rules, the law, the religion you're trying to do the right thing before an angry God is watching over you, waiting for you to mess up so we can switch you like a bug. God's grace teaches us to say no to that which is wrong or harmful. What enables you to say no is not your grit, but God's gift of grace. It's not your strength, but it's God's spirit. The grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. The challenge is we're often focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on the poison of religion. We're forgetting the power of God's grace. So it may be wise for us to contrast religion and grace. We'll be able to see how God uses His grace to change us and conform us to the image of His Son. So let's contrast it too. So the focus of religion is always outward, but the power of grace is always inward. It's what other people see. It's an outward effort to be right with God. So outwardly, I'm going to stop yelling at my kids, or you might say, say I'm going to stop smoking, or I'm not going to drink anymore, I'm not going to be addicted, or I'm going to stop shopping all the time. Jesus talked about how dangerous and ineffective this type of an approach to an outward-focused life, life is. In Matthew twenty three twenty five, What sorrow awaits your, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Religion focuses on what other people see, whereas grace works inside of us. This is what Paul prayed over a local church. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Ephesians 3.16 With inner strength through His Spirit, religion focuses on the outward, but God's grace focuses on what is inward. It's a change that's been born on the inside. So here's the difference. It's not a change of outward behavior. Instead, it's a change of your heart. If you're simply changing your behavior, but you don't change your heart, what happens? The behavior just keeps coming back. So religion is about trying harder, but grace says it's about trusting more. We're not trying in our power, 
but we're relying on God's power. This is the way the Apostle Paul phrased it when he was praying for God to do something and God didn't do what he wanted him to do. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 2 Corinthians 12.9 So I'm not trying harder. I'm trusting more. That's hopeful. When we really trust in God's grace that He loves you and you're right with Him, not by what you do or you don't do, it's from that point of spiritual security and spiritual strength that you can be honest. You don't have to play at it, nor do you have to be the hypocrite. When you know the same grace that saves you is a grace that sustains you, you can be honest. You can be honest with God, and you can be honest with other people. So why does this matter? You're only as strong as you are honest. When you recognize the same grace that saves you, it's a grace that sustains you. Then you can be honest enough to take what's been in the dark and bring it into the light. This is when change really starts. Because whatever you keep in the dark doesn't get healed. Sin grows best in the dark. So it's incredibly risky to be vulnerable about any part of your life that you're not proud of. The only way you can really do it is when, you, when you're secure in the grace of God. God provides you the courage to say, I need help. Any great 12-step program, the first step is admitting you have a problem. But you can't do it on your own. So how do you know if you have a problem? Well, honestly, if more than one person has told you that you got a problem, you got a problem. If there's a secret that you've been carrying, a shame that you've been hiding, chances are you have a problem. So if you experience the grace of God, the same grace that saved you, will carry you, strengthen you, and sustain you. Then you can admit it, and you have to admit it, because you can't, cannot correct what you won't confront and you admit, I need help. We should not be afraid to ask God for help because we have the security and the strength of God's grace sustaining us. So is your asking for help a sign of weakness? Asking for help is never a sign of weakness. If anything, it's a sign of wisdom. Whatever it is, stress, eating, scrolling for hours, wasting your life through social media, looking at stuff that just makes you more depressed, looking at lustful images, or overspending, the root problem is spiritual. In most cases, you're probably trying to live by the poison of religion instead of being transformed by the grace of God. At a deeper level, why is it that you're trying so hard to find something to ease the pain? It's likely a spiritual issue where you really aren't trusting God and you're fearing the loss of control. Or maybe you just feel alone or depressed or left out or you feel empty on the inside. Or you feel overwhelmed with anxiety or frustration or anger. The root is so often the problem. You're trying to meet a need or relieve a hurt with something besides God's grace. 
So what do you do when you try to stop and the problem doesn't go away and it gets worse? Or perhaps that voice inside of you says, do better, do better, do better. Anytime you hear that, remember, you're focusing on the poison of religion and you're forgetting about the power of God's grace. We're not here to try harder, but we're here to try to trust more. We're going to put our trust and our faith, not in our grit, but in the gift of God's grace. If you're ready for some good news, Paul wrote this to encourage a local church. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Romans 5.20 Wherever there's more sin, there's more grace. Wherever there's more temptation, there's more grace. Wherever there's more shame, there's more grace. Wherever there's more loneliness or more brokenness or more heart or more shame, there is more of God's grace. His grace is always good enough. It's exactly what we need. We change by trusting more. We, change, we don't change by focusing on the outside behavior, but letting the grace of God do something that only the grace of God can do which is to change us from the inside out. God's grace doesn't just forgive you from sin. It frees you from sin. Dear Lord, thank you for these past four weeks where we've been able to ask some really tough questions and learn from you how we can answer those questions in your word. Thank you for the grace you give us and help us admit when we're weak and need you to sustain us. Please continue to remind us that your grace is all we need and that your power works best in our weakness so that we can be glad to boast about our weaknesses and that the power of Christ can work through each one of us. In your name I pray. Amen.